Our scripture reading this morning is from Isaiah 53, 1 through 6. Who has believed what he has heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant, and like a root out of dry ground. He has no form or majesty that we should look at him, and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our grief and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned, every one, to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. This is the word of the Lord. So there is a growing trend that I have noticed the last few years. Uh, I, I can summarize the trend as the don't touch my baby trend. Uh, when we were all younger, we remember that it was, it was commonplace for, for people, whether it was friends or family or just even complete strangers, to just come up and grab a baby, uh, to just start holding it, to just give it kisses on its face. That was just a normal thing that we were all used to. But as you probably know, today, that's kind of frowned upon. Uh, and I get it. There are, there are good reasons why we shouldn't just grab people's babies and start kissing them. Uh, there, there's some good reasons. Uh, and maybe you've seen on social media, there are videos, right? There's this, there's like songs about don't touch my baby. Have you seen, anybody seen? Oh, no, maybe. Okay. There's memes everywhere. Like don't kiss my baby. Get, keep your hands off my kid, right? Um, well, our character this morning uh, would have gotten in so much trouble in uh, today's culture because he just grabs babies and gives them kisses and anyway. So we'll, you'll see, but uh, let's pray together, and uh, we'll see our character for this morning. Father, would you speak to us in your word? We come this morning full of joy, recognizing that it is the Christ uh, who has come that is the reason for our joy. So, uh, Father, speak to us through your word. Use this time for your glory, for our benefit. In Jesus' name, amen. So we continue to be in Luke chapter 2, uh, which we've been in for the last several weeks, and, uh, and again, all of last night. And, but we're going to move on in the story a little bit this morning. And so we're going to read verses 21 through 35. And at the end of eight days... When he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, as it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, 
And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, that you prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for your glory to your people Israel. And his father and mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed. And a sword will pierce through your own soul also so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. We have been working through the characters of Christmas uh, the last several weeks. It, it's been so interesting to see the normalcy uh, of, of, of our characters. For, for most of them are just absolutely average people with, with, with really nothing to offer, uh, but God used them to do something extraordinary. Our, our character for this morning is a man named Simeon, and he's a, he's a, a character that we don't know that much about. Some think he may have been a priest, but more than likely he wasn't. More than likely he was, he was just a man who loved God. He said he was devout. And he was waiting for the restoration of Israel. And so I want to just kind of go through the, 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 the background details of our story uh, so that we can examine Simeon just a little bit better. So as we've talked, remember we are in a difficult time for Israel. This was not the good old days for them. These were tough times. They had been defeated. They had been conquered by multiple empires. Uh, they, were, they were no longer a nation of their own. Uh, at, at this point, they are controlled and subdued by the Roman Empire. Uh, it, it had been this way for Israel for over 400 years. That's a really long time to, to have been a nation, but no longer a nation, but, and, and having your hope in, in, in getting to be a nation again, to, to being restored, right? This restoration, this consolation of Israel. Been waiting for over 400 years for that to happen. The, the only semi-good news at this point is, is that uh, the Romans basically are allowing uh, the Jews to practice their religion. We would say mostly unhindered, uh, not the way they would completely want it to be, but for the most part they were able to worship God the way they wanted to. So that was a sort of good news for them. And, and in that worship there were these we would call them uh, religious observances that were still from the Old Testament that the Jews were still carrying out, things that they were still doing. Um, and, and some of these religious observances we, we need to talk about now that we're here to the birth of Jesus. So a Jewish boy was supposed to be circumcised on the eighth day by a priest. And so you would take, you would take your, your son on the eighth day and you would take them and, and they would be circumcised. Um, this was fairly normal stuff, and we know that uh, Mary and Joseph uh, were obedient to the law, and they did all that they were told to do, and, and so Jesus is, is circumcised. 
The next part that we don't talk very much about uh, in, this, in this story, but it's, it's really important. Um, so after a mother had, had, had a child, um, they were considered unclean for 40 days. Uh, this meant that she would stay away from people. She wasn't to be in public. It, it was definitely a um, kind of leave her alone thing. Uh, in action, actuality, uh, I'm not a mom, so, but I can imagine for moms, this in some ways would have been considered a kind of a good thing, right? You, you have your baby and you get to be left alone for 40 days, right? Nobody messing with you. You don't have anywhere to be. It was just a special time for, for the mom to be um, to be with her, her children, uh, to heal, and, and, and to kind of uh, have that process. And so um, at, the, at the end of this time, at the end of these 40 days, the mother was um, to go and make uh, a sacrifice, an offering for purification. And, and the, the idea from the Old Testament is that um, having a child, because children were born into sin— uh, the sins of the child made the mother unclean. And, and so uh, a sacrifice needed to be made to, f- to forgive her. And it was a recog- recognition that death was deserved for sin. Um, but, but the sacrifice of, of an animal would cover, would cover those sins. And so uh, we, we know that Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And, and so he did not have the sinful nature at birth. Um, so Mary probably, or not probably, Mary didn't have to have this done uh, in God's eyes, but, he, but they did this uh, to be obedient to the law. And so uh, the, the process, is, as we read in our, in our text, was they were supposed to bring a young lamb, uh, a yearling lamb, to be sacrificed. As, as this, that was the purification offering. There was, uh, in, in Leviticus 12, there was a... Um, a, 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 what's the right word? There was a caveat that could be made for those who didn't have enough money to have a, a, a young lamb. And so it said they could bring turtle doves or uh, what we would just call young pigeons. Uh, they could bring those. And so uh, that's what we see uh, Mary and Joseph bring. Um, they, they were too poor to bring a lamb. And, and so they, they brought these young pigeons to be sacrificed. It's interesting to me because it tells us more about who Mary and Joseph were. They were, again, we've been talking about normal people, and they were normal people. This, this is what l- lends me to think they were just a young couple, right? He wasn't some old widow that was established. Uh, he, he was a young man trying to make ends meet, trying to get his family started. He didn't have... Two nickels to rub together, as my granddad would have said. Right? He didn't have anything. They were lucky to find these young pigeons that they could, they could offer. People of little social standing, little money, they weren't important in society. And, and remember last night we said that, uh, you know, the angels proclaimed this was good news for all the people, and it is. Mary and Joseph were all the people kind of people, and so are we, and so is anyone. It doesn't matter your social standing. But I love that Jesus was born in humble circumstances to humble parents. The other thing that happens in this story that's, that is tied to the purification is, is that because he was the firstborn, 
his life was to be consecrated to the Lord. And there was an offering to be made on behalf of the parents. And, and that means he was dedicated to the Lord. He was taken to the temple to be offered to God um, in, in um, a symbolic offering. This child is yours. He belongs to you. And, and it, was, it was a recognition of God's sovereignty. It was a recognition of God's ownership, his holiness. He is yours. Do with him as you see fit. The Old Testament tells us that the parents were still allowed to keep the child and raise him in the ways of the Lord, but in all rights, he belonged to God at that point. Um, and so he was set aside. You think of people like Samson, uh, who they were dedicated, they were set apart for something different, and Jesus was, was the same way. That's what is done here, and, and, and it's a, a special moment there at the temple. And so as they are at the temple... They encounter Simeon, our, our character for this morning. Most people think he is very old, um, or at least he knows that he's at the end of the li- uh, at the the end of his life. Scripture doesn't tell us that he's old. We just assume that he may have been a young man who had just heard this prophecy through the Holy Spirit that he would not die until he saw the Messiah. But um, he he has been told that he knows that. The Messiah will come in his lifetime, and, it, and that's a pretty amazing thing when you think about Israel waiting for 400 years. Some have given up hope. Some think, well, it's just never going to happen. God may not even be real. The Messiah might not ever be coming. Simeon knows that it's happening in his lifetime. It's something he would have been excited about. We could say he's probably at the end of his life, but it tells us that he is a, a just man. He is a holy, righteous man who loves God tells us he is filled, filled with the Holy Spirit. And, and in one of those God things, the Spirit leads him to the temple at just the right time. One of those God circumstances, if you want to call it that. God leads him to the temple at just the right time. And speaking of time, in case you're wondering, I know uh, there's kind of debate about some of this, but uh, when do the wise men show up? We all have our um, we, we all have our, our nativity scenes, right, where there's, you've got the shepherds there and the wise men there, and, and there's kind of debate about whether they were there or not. Probably not. Most likely, they're not there. Um, we, we assume, from this story, we know this is 40 days into Jesus' life, and we assume that Mary and Joseph would not have taken him to Jerusalem if Herod had already been told about the, the you know, the young boy born in Bethlehem thing. So we assume they have not encountered the wise men yet. Uh, they, would, they would have come after this point in time. So, so Mary and Joseph bring him to Jerusalem, which is, isn't too far from Bethlehem, but they're going to bring him when he's 40 days old. Um, wise men will probably come and meet them in Bethlehem some point after this. We're not sure how long, but at some point after this time. So, so as we pick up this story again. Um, this godly man knows something amazing is, is about to happen. The Holy Spirit has kind of led him to this place. We can assume he's, he knows something is happening. And, and just picture the temple, right? The most holy of places for the Jews. It was a busy place. It was a congested place. It was uh, the mall before Christmas. It was, there were always people bustling around. There were things to, to do and see. I can just imagine this man knowing 
something special is happening, knowing by the whole, because of the Holy Spirit that, that it's time. And looking around, and there's hundreds, thousands of people just going by, circling around. There, there, is, um, there is a theory that the, the, the message of the shepherds would have already reached the temple by now, but in these 40 days since the birth of Jesus. Uh, the theory goes that, that the, only, the only shepherds, the, the tending sheep in Jerusalem, or, sorry, in Bethlehem, were, were raising them for the purpose of taking them uh, to the temple for sacrifice. So uh, it's kind of a neat theory, right, that the, the first people who hear the message, these shepherds, they were the ones who were raising sheep to be sacrificed. They were the ones who were, their job was to raise these unblemished sheep for sacrifice. They're the ones that get to hear about Jesus, kind of foreshadowing what is to come. And so maybe, right, they hear this good news. We, we heard last night that they shared the good news everywhere. Maybe they're taking sheep to Jerusalem, to the temple to be sacrificed. And they're they're telling people there, hey, we saw angels, we saw the baby, the Messiah has come. So maybe there's a hustle, a bustle, there's a stirring there about what is happening, and, and people are excited. But Simeon is waiting. He's been waiting, and he knows that something is happening. And somehow, we don't know how, but he recognizes this, this young couple with a baby, these teenagers, probably, with a baby. This is the one that he has been waiting for. Listen again to what it says after he just goes up to them and sounds like he just grabs the kid. Hey, there's Jesus. Uh, by the way, we know that he gets his name on the eighth day. So he already was named Jesus. That he, He's officially given his, uh, his name Jesus uh, on, on the eighth day. So now... He's got his name. We don't know if, if Simeon knows it, but he knows who he is, and he, he grabs him, and this is what he says. Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation. My eyes have seen your salvation. That you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles. And for your glory to your people, Israel. Simon, led by the Holy Spirit, is prophetic about Jesus. This is where we hear again what God has in store for this story. And what is amazing that um, we, we have heard before that, that Jesus was coming to save Israel. But what Simeon tells us specifically here is that Jesus would come to bring salvation to the Gentiles too. And so last night we talked about, we were in the story because it says this is good news for all the people. And I said, we're those people. We are in the story uh, of the shepherds. And we're in this story as well. Uh, because as, as best I know, all of us in here are Gentiles. This is us. We're in the story of Simeon too. This is incredible, right? This is incredible stuff. That the Messiah that's been promised to the Jews, Simeon says, and he's, he's salvation for the Gentiles too. And, and Mary and Joseph have, have been led in on, on this good news already, right? They've encountered um, the shepherds. They've encountered angels. They know what Jesus has come to do. But now they get to hear it again and in a different way from a complete stranger. 
It must have been exciting. It must have been affirming for them. And they are amazed. But Simeon isn't done. He has something else to tell them. It says this, Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed, and a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. Simeon gives a further description of Jesus and the salvation that he would bring, but he tells us that there would be a cost. There would be a cost to Jesus, there would be a cost to his parents. That cost of him being salvation for the Jews and for the Gentiles. We, we hear from Simeon that there would be pain and loss in God's plan of salvation. This is new information to Mary and Joseph. And so, just quickly, I want to tell you what I think this means for us. Things for us to be taking note of. And, and one thing is that we start with this, that, that God was faithful to Simeon. We know that Simeon had been waiting a long time, and he waited patiently for God to carry everything out. We don't know how long. It could have been years. It could have been decades. It could have been a couple of days. We just don't know. But it sounds like it's been a long time as he grabs this baby and says, my eyes have seen salvation. Now I can have peace. Now I can die in peace. Through patience, through persistence, Simeon got to see God's salvation with his own eyes. What a beautiful thought. You and I are waiting for all kinds of things in our lives. We've been waiting through this Christmas season, through Advent, waiting for the arrival of Christ. And maybe like Simeon, you believe that you are in the final season of your life, that this is in, you're in the last chapters. That's where Simeon seems to think his life is. And there's good news in that. God will show himself faithful. Just like he did to Simeon, he will to all of us. Whatever chapter you're in. Whether you feel like you're in the beginning and you've got many miles to travel till the end of your, your road. Or maybe you feel like you're, you're getting towards the end. God will prove himself faithful to you. I, I would suggest that there are four things that, that all of us as believers are to do in this time of patience, in this time of waiting, because, because here, here's, here's the reality. We've been waiting, we've been waiting, and here's Jesus, it's Christmas Day, and there is sort of a now what? Now what? Christ has come, but now what? And, and, and so maybe here's just a few things that, that we can do in this, this time of patience, if you will. And the first one is we wait. We wait. It isn't already, but not yet. God has come. He has brought Jesus. And we know the story. We know the good news. But they're still waiting. I would just tell you, don't give up. Though the world around us looks like it's falling apart, don't give up. God will accomplish his plans in his time. I'm sure Simeon fought to give up at times like others around him had done. God is done with us. There's no more hope in this world of darkness. Simeon never gave up. He kept waiting. He kept waiting, and he got to see the Lord's salvation. So we wait. Second, we watch. And just like Simeon, there's a, there's a, what, that, what I think that looks like is, is a time of 
preparation, a time of being prepared, making sure that, that our lives are devoted to God as we, as we are watchful for what he is doing and how we can be a part of it. I just think of Simeon watching at the temple. We can do the same. We can be watching. We can be prepared. Third, we worship. Our lives are to be about constant devotion, constant prayer, worshiping, knowing what he is doing, knowing what else he is still going to do. We worship. Uh, we didn't get to this part of the story because I didn't want to add one more character, but if you read on, there's this woman named Anna who spends all her time at the temple praying, praying, praying. And, and Simeon and, and Anna are, are these two special characters that, um, that know that there's more to come. They're, they're not distracted by the, the things of the world. They are watching, they are waiting, they are worshiping, ready for God to do what he's going to do. And the fourth, I would say, is we work. So if you like the W's, we are waiting, watching, worshiping, and we are to be working. We are being supposed to be about uh, the work of God's kingdom. We are to be about sharing the good news of Jesus, just like the shepherds did last night, just, just like Simeon is doing and Anna is doing. We share the good news, and we are about the kingdom work because of what uh, God has done by bringing his son. There is good news, our business, what we do here, the re- all of our days, what we do with the rest of our time is about the Lord's work. So we can be like Simeon, we can be like Anna. The wait is over for us as, as we celebrate this morning. And in, in the biggest way, we know that, the, that waiting is over. Anna got to see it. Simeon got to see it. We don't have to wait for salvation. We don't have to wait to have peace with God because Christ has come. It has come. And so that means like Simeon, that means like Anna, we can be at peace. And anyone who knows Christ as Savior, just like Simeon said, we can be ready to be taken home. Whatever day that is for our lives, God knows it. It may be years, it may be months, it may be days, but we can be ready because Christ has come and we can have peace with God. Let's pray. Father, we do wait in a difficult place, in a difficult world. Help us to be watchful. Help us to be patient. Help us to worship you. Help us to be about your work. We know that we are about your work as we love others, as we sacrifice, as we share good news as we demonstrate the joy of your salvation in our lives as we serve your church here and not only here but all over the world it can be about kingdom work God help us to do that help us father in this day to rejoice not to rush through it but to rejoice God we give you all the praise for your amazing plan of salvation that started in the lowest of places. It would be good news for all the people. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen.